When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Looking for the next chapter of coverage of Star Wars content? Well, let's open up a book as we're talking all things Book of Boba Fett here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here, the conductor on this seemingly runaway train through the desert that is Star Wars, pouring in like grains of sand. It is wild. It is unruly, but it is beautiful in a way. And I am joined today by a beautiful panel to break down the second episode of the book of Boba Fett. They are welcomed in on their litter, though there is no relation between them, but I'm so happy to welcome these people in. First, of course, you know him as Rich, DM Philly, R Philly. We could call him the mayor of uh, of role-playing games if we want to, Rich. Is that a proper title? Yeah, that's entirely acceptable. I would like to get myself an interpreter and a throne that I could sit on and like uh, hold court. That'd be great. Sure. I'll be the mayor. <laughs> Yeah, well, listen, we know someone is coming in with her own throne already, self-appointed. It is, of course, the great Latanya Starks. Latanya, how are you? 
Hello, I'm I'm doing good. I actually we are family kind of on this podcast because according to Rich's um, Twitter, I am your mom. Yeah, you're my Twitter mom. That just happened moments ago, LT. <laughs> I don't know how we got there, but how I'll take it. There? Now wait a minute. I d- I thought this is the one Star Wars show where nobody's related to anybody. Okay, I don't want anyone to be like a Han's great nephew or something. Now the podcast people are. I guess this is Star Wars. Everyone's related yes, to something. Everyone's like, related to everyone. It's the beginning of a new dynasty. He grabbed that branch from the desert, and that is connected to the family tree. Evidently, exactly. that is uh, interspersed. <laughs> that it, that just attacks you. That's me, the part of the family tree who attacks. <laughs> so here we are to truly attack, get our big branchy limbs around episode two of the book of Boba Fett. And I, I want to open this up with a question that I also posed to the patrons of Posha Recaps as well. Of course, if you want to, it's early in the month. Uh, lots of incentives to become a patron of Post Show Recaps. If you have the means to do so, go to patreon.com slash Recaps. At the $10 lover, you get access to a Discord that is full of many, many great conversations, including immediate reactions to the book of Boba Fett. But I asked the populace there, you know, Hawkeye did this really interesting premise of there were six episodes, they put two of them together on the same day, and then they aired the rest weekly. And that's been living credit-free in my head ever since. So let me ask you, Rich, after watching the first two episodes, I know we are without the perspective of obviously the other five that follow it, but looking back on it now, do you wish that the first two episodes would have been aired together, or are you fine with keeping episodes one and two separated the way they were? Yeah, that's a great question. I've uh, been talking about The Wheel of Time with Josh Wiggler. They had released like a three-episode drop at the beginning of their series. Um, I would have loved to have them both back-to-back, but we've already talked about it a little bit. This is going to be a short run, this series. There's not a lot of episodes there. And so if it means I get an extra week to live with uh, that awesome like closing theme song in my head, then I'm here for it. Uh, like I really left last week excited. I was like waiting for this new episode like the last couple of days. Every day I'm getting up like gosh is it wednesday yet is it wednesday um so i think i'm okay with it like i think at the end of the day like i'm super cool they got the hooks in me um i'm predisposed to like want to be on tatooine with boba fett but i'm okay with the week to week i'm feeling it what do you think lt in terms of flow of story i think that it's fine that they did it the way that they did i don't know that i would change it either there was more anticipation that way I, mm. Normally, I would always prefer to have more content rather than less content. You know, would I prefer that every show released all of the episodes at once? Yes, I would. But they did not do that. And I find it more and more that I like that model because it gives me more to look forward to in the future. We all need something to do every week, and then that means more weeks of the show, technically. Yeah, it just prolongs these delightful conversations that we get to have <laughs> with each other, which is awesome. Yeah, One more conversation that the three of us get to have, a family reunion extended for one more week, uh, makes me very excited. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because this second episode had obviously a lot of familiar echoes of the first episode. You know, I, I think sort of a comment that has been levied towards this show now two episodes in is like, I know we're staying in the same place, but where are we going in a manner of speaking, you know, as we sort of talked about last week, it does appear that the twin timelines are here to stay, right? A Boba carving his way through most Espa while in the past uh, living amongst the Tusken Raiders. But all that being said, I don't know. I kind of love the aimless nature of it. 
Maybe it's because I feel like we live in a TV landscape where creators have to feel like they have to almost milk something out of every second of content. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. That certainly is what I get out of a lot of like Marvel content by comparison. Right. It's like, okay, you got to do this, 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 and this. And I supremely enjoy it, but it can be a lot. And what I would say about the Book of Boba Fett so far is it's, it's kind of a vibes show to me <laughs> where like you're just, you're just hanging out with Boba and Fennec and the Tusken Raiders on Tatooine for 30 to 50 minutes every week. And I could understand why people would be, you know, not so happy about that. Mando, for example, I think while it did have its sort of meanderings about and frog people to visit, I think it was still like a plot-focused show. That doesn't necessarily seem like the case to me, at least initially starting out. But I'm just leaving with the feeling it gives me every week, and the feeling is just fun. I'm having a lot of fun with the Book of Boba Fett so far. And maybe five weeks back... I'll look back and say, like, I can't believe we we were so dripping uh, the slow IV drip of content in the beginning. And then we had to, like, really rush things at the end. Pacing is always an issue with these types of shows. But mm -hmm. for me, at least, LT, I have had a lot of fun sitting, not necessarily turning off my brain, but maybe putting it on sleep mode for a half <laughs> second. And just, like, mm -hmm. watching a, a kick-ass Tusken Raider train robbery. I thought this week's episode was so much fun. It really captured a part of my imagination that I thought had died. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I think it's just, it's, it's longing for this type of storytelling where we get to know the mythology of a people that we did not know before, or maybe I did not know before. I'm not sure how much this has been explored in other Star Wars, if I'm being honest, you know, and things that are, canonical and not canonical that I haven't seen but you know this is my first experience getting to know a lot about the Tusken Raiders and their culture and I thought that, that was great I am like the small child Tusken Raider who's just happy to see my 60 year old boyfriend Tamuna Morrison come back and uh you know from the wilderness so I think that this show is great I really you know, to speak to the first question, liked the fact that we got this episode this week after only having the first smaller episode last week, because I feel like the scope of this one changed things and mm. how we see Boba Fett in such a different way. And also started to show us what his leadership style looks like and where it emerges from. So I think that it was all relevant backstory. I will say at first I moaned a little when I saw the tank, because I went, okay, well, here's another flashback. I just want to know what's going on with the twins and who sent the assassins. I still think uh, it was uh, the woman who runs the cantina. That's still my thing. But um, yeah, I was just happy to see where Boba Fett got his leadership style from and, and more of his exposure to the world. Hmm. Rich, give me your thoughts about the second episode. What do you think about it? And what is now your sense of maybe the direction that Boba Fett is going? Or to Latanya's point, maybe a change in direction between the episodes? 
Yeah, um, I promise I won't keep talking about the Wheel of Time. It's very front of mind for me. But I've been talking about the pacing of that show. That was an eight-episode run. And I think as it closed its season, um, one of my big takeaways is Josh and I were talking about it, is it needed more time, right? So because because it's uh, very much about the characters. And so to that end, um, we're at the front end of 2022. I don't know if you guys did any of like the Twitter thing of like uh, 10 TV shows to know mm. me. But as I was kind of going back through these 10, TV shows to know that me. that would be tough like, for me because I could literally just be like, here are the links to ten feeds about TV hard, shows that right? I talk about. Yeah. It's very difficult. It was, it was really hard to pick your ten favorite children for me, but but I guess like in that process, <laughs> as I'm looking back at things like the leftovers and it's just my favorite uh, stories are explorations of character, right? Like I want a good plot, I want like riveting, exciting action. Um, all the parts need to come together, but I'm really here for this slow exploration of Boba Fett and who he is like the the primary timeline if we want to call it that of what's happening as he has now taken this position as the daimyo is like um it seems pretty small it seems like a pretty clear and direct story and contained of like how is he going to hold power in now that he seized it and like what does that mean what is that going to look like once he does what kind of obstacles does he have to have to overcome to get there and that's pretty straightforward i think that's the kind of story that we've seen explored many times over which is not to say i think that's bad at all but i just don't know that i need to like live there for 40 minutes an episode all season right like i thought it was a very bold choice 15 minutes into what was a bit longer than last week oh yeah where at least uh, i believe it was like 52 minutes as opposed to the 35 or so so yeah yeah very very interesting it's uh, very oppositional in other forms of tv where usually just in general a pilot episode is at least incrementally longer here they really flip-flop that expectation yeah Mm -hmm. and we get this longer runtime and we spend uh the, the vast majority of it like back in that flashback right once we like snap back to the Raiders and and that whole experience for Boba Fett, we don't come back to the future, right? Um, And I thought it was a bold choice. So, like, I'm really digging it. Uh, Whether it's a vibe show, absolutely. It's very fun. Like, I walk away um, really... with the music rooted in my head the imagery mm. the action is like very awesome it's great uh, and i was like so kind of hyped up on like the whole western energy and the vibe of like this kind of gunslinger and tattooing that i ended up uh, like going back and started watching deadwood this week and i think that was a direct <laughs> line for boba fett to like i need uh more like you know cowboy action in my life uh, oh so, do, yeah, do you think we're ever gonna see it. an ian mcshane as a star wars character within our lifetimes <laughs> feels in Inevitable. I can't wait to hear Ian McShane uh, slag Star Wars fans for loving Star Wars, too. Yeah, Ian McShane is amazing. I would love to see him in Star Wars, sure. Yeah, so we're definitely going to get into everything this episode, both past and present. Again, just a couple things to set up. I mentioned the Patreon program, uh, which you can do at patreon.com slash recaps. Also, as we are beginning to, to you know get this podcast back off the ground after a lengthy yachtis, some time in the back to tank, if you will, I really appreciate it if you rate Review and subscribe to our Star Wars only feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Star Wars to hopefully, uh, you know, lift our presence a bit. Be be our litter, if you will. I know that Boba doesn't like to have one, but we are here to be pampered, if you will. So carry us on your shoulders if you are able to rate, review, subscribe, or just tell any Star Wars fans you know about this podcast. Because we're going to be here week in and week out breaking down the book of Boba Fett. That being said, we're going to take a quick second of a break so we can have just a completely uninterrupted conversation about 
chapter two of the Book of Boba Fett, The Tribes of Tatooine. We'll talk to you again right after the break. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so I think... It makes sense to tackle things from a timeline perspective here. And I think it makes sense that to Rich's point, I think we sort of get the, I'm not going to say get the present day stuff out of the way, because again, I think it was incredibly important, but I think the majority of the content is to be held in the past. Uh, and so let's talk about most Espa because we were wondering last week, like, oh, what's the deal with the assassins? And uh, thanks to, you know, the old invisible rancor trick, we were able to get some pretty easy info out of them. So LT, I, I heard you make a point before that was interesting. So the the assassin that they're able to trap says that he was hired by the mayor. Now, of course, we'll talk about meeting the mayor. The mayor seems to at least deny the connection publicly. Mm-hmm. So did you take that at face value then, considering your whole Garza whip theory of it all? It's not impossible that the mayor and Garza are working together. Mm-hmm. And technically, the assassin was hired by the mayor. But the look on Garza's face when they walked in, she was very surprised to see him alive it seemed like she had some information that uh, I'm still interested in learning and she also just seems like the type of woman who would pull this move like a bold move to go after the new daimyo and take them down but I think that she and the mayor could be working together on this so Rich you know, you're you're uh, an original trilogy fan, uh, first and foremost. What did you think about the the hint at the the reappearance of the Rancor and the whole Rancor ruse of it all to get this, you know, steadfast, steel-tongued assassin to just completely crumble at the idea of his <laughs> life being on the line? 
Yeah, I absolutely love it. I love the breakdown of, like, these steely assassins, like, oh, they'll never talk, they'll never talk, and then we drop him into that pit, and, like, he started talking real quick. Um, the, the moment when the throne begins, like, sliding forward to the cage so they can look down in, yes. it's just, like, it's so evocative, right? It brings you right back, um, and, and you can't you know, carry scenes in that room for a season of TV without dropping somebody into that pit, mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, we have to. It was very clever. It's a great ploy. And I love the reversal on us as we're, like, all getting excited. Like, ooh, the, ooh, the Rancor. Here we go. Here we go. We got it all. We got the Gamorrean guards. We're going to get the Rancor again. Um, nope fake out it's very clever i think it's a very ingenious way to use these things that we know and like turn our expectations against us as viewers for these like surprising little moments along the way loved it yeah so i guess you know maybe it wasn't in the budget of bib fortuna to be like i know that the rancor got <laughs> killed by luke skywalker but like we should get another one uh maybe this was a bib fortuna thing uh it's almost evocative of how boba wants to rule as this idea of like almost the invisible threat Right, this idea of right. hey, I have this thing, I could use it. Don't make me use it. Uh, and right. so it's this idea of almost being powerful in the threat rather than actually carrying out the action. But yeah, it was very fun to see that whole prestige happen. And for uh, this, you know, assassin from the Order of the Night Wind, which I don't believe we've heard about before, right? I don't recall it off the top of my head. I do love that point you made, though, Mike. It is very much like Boba Fett. It's like the shadow of the Rancor looms large despite it being gone, right? And, like, it's the shadow of Boba Fett that he's trying to, like, build up to loom over this place. Um, but, no, I've never heard this name either before, Assassins of the Night. Yeah, so let's go to the mayor's office. Uh, Boba goes to the mayor, as it were. We heard mention of him last episode. We got introduced to him here. The Major Domo makes, of course, another slimy appearance. I cannot believe that we legitimately got a do-you-have-an-appointment joke yes. in Star Wars. <laughs> like, who thought they were taking 90s David Spade SNL sketches and turning them into Star Wars scenes? But here we John are. John Favreau. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that. Of course well, Tanya, give me give me your thoughts about the mayor, uh, Mo Shaiz, actually getting to see him in person Probably not the last time we're going to see him, but talk about, you know, a figure that was regarded as one of the shadow pieces of power in the first episode. What do you think about seeing him in person or in CGI, as it were? Yes, I don't know who I expected the mayor to be, but I did not expect <laughs> that person to be the mayor. I really liked this scene a lot. I'm a fan of the do you have an appointment joke. I use it in my everyday life to talk to my family. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Yes, um, I was happy about this whole scene. And I like the way that the politicians in this show kind of talk around points. Uh, it's, it's a you know, it's just like, um, it's almost like a Midwestern um, kind of like hospitality thing where it's just like, uh, we won't say exactly what we're thinking about you or about your whole situation but we'll seem very polite and try to help you in whatever way we can. And so I think that's kind of the approach that this mayor has taken. And I was just interested in seeing the whole setup there, the guards that he has, uh, the, you know, like people around him and just kind of hearing that or seeing that he instantly killed that assassin, uh, finding out a little bit more about like, this mayor seems to be the type of person who would be calm and patient with someone, 
but obviously has little to no patience for things that don't go his way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rich, obviously you're you're a fan of fantasy where uh, impetulant rulers is often a trope to be had. Where does Moshe's fall into that, uh, especially when it comes to as the scene that LT mentions, where essentially he's like, uh, well, I may not, I, I don't know if I've hired them or not, but I'm going to kill him just to eliminate any exactly. trace evidence of my involvement. Somehow in I will kill him. <laughs> Um, yeah, we you, you gotta love an impetuous, emotional, uh, antagonistic ruler, right? I love the choice to, like, make him uh, this particular type of alien, right? The Athorians, I think, is that right? Yeah, um, yeah they, have, they have sort of, like, there. the uh, openings on their necks. That's yeah, on the side of the neck, and the way that, like, the translator's voice overlaid with everything, with, like, the sounds that he's making, and as he's, like, kind of speaking to them, it's all, like, very excellent. Um, the killing of the assassin, this is good. We get, like, our great moment of tension the kind of standoff guns pointed all directions at this place these big angry gamorians in the back um i like it and i i very much am kind of with lt that he it seems like he could be a cat's paw in a lot of ways he's very clearly like offering this kind of deference to boba fett i serve at your leisure daimyo uh but but then like sends him back to garza's like open your eyes see what you can find there right, right? um i love the way this whole scene played i thought like it really like landed for me and i really love the way that they use uh the aliens in this episode like tatooine especially of many of the places that we stop down and spend some time in star wars it was this place of like incredible diversity right it's all these different strange odd like looking uh alien species from from that original trilogy and i loved how many of them were like brought right to the forefront in this episode especially the authorian mayor like yeah nice touch well played I didn't yeah, and recognize I, I, the species right away, right, right away. Like that's something else that I thought was cool. I had not seen this species before, or if I did, I did not notice it. Yeah, it's one of those like background sort of, and that's yep. that's what I feel like shows like this in the Mandalorian are able to do is mm-hmm. you're able to take something like the Tusken Raiders, which as we talked about last week, were you know mentioned in passing and shown in passing in these prequels and in the the original trilogy, and build an entire storyline out of them. Now we're bringing mm-hmm. an Athorian who maybe you've seen in the background of the Galactic the Galactic Senate to be like, okay, you're the mayor now. It's it's a fun idea. It's literally building out a universe of Star Wars, which is always great. You know, you have all these toys that you can play with in front of you. Don't worry about making new toys. Just just play with the ones that have been built out for you over decades of canon. Uh, I, the mayor is so interesting to me because at first you could sort of personify him as, again, this sort of aloof, distant ruler. Again, that sort of is the impression I got of him last week when he sent his own Major Domo. It's Major Domo's tribute is... Here's a laurel and a hearty handshake, essentially, mm-hmm. like no money for you. Right. But the mayor, obviously, uh, in being in power for so long as he does in Moses, but like knows the score, as it were. And I think the warning he has for Boba is super interesting as well. Right. First off, that he regards him as a bounty hunter no matter what. And Boba is still like, no, I'm not a bounty hunter, which I think we'll certainly get to. I think his time with the Tuscan Raiders was integral to that transition of him realizing that he doesn't want to be a, a you know a kill for hire type of guy but he still is sort of regarded as a bounty hunter at the end of the day and essentially what most shaiz is telling boba at the end of the day is you're in over your head dude uh you have no idea you think you could come in like kick over a couple of pots uh stop a couple of assassins and that's it no 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 these people ran a huge gamut. They kept so many balls in the air. You're starting with one or two at the moment. Stop me when you get to chainsaws. And 
I think that's a really interesting idea, is that Mokshais is not necessarily being personified to me as an antagonist, but more so as, like, I don't know, almost like a, 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 for, a forbearing warner of Gar, mm-hmm. of a sense, of him saying, like, listen, dude, I warned you, just watch out, because people in this town can be shady, and even if you uh, think you can walk in here with your helmet and take charge, you only have so much, you know, so much vision in that helmet. You got to take things off and look around. He's got quintessential Dungeons and Dragons NPC energy. Yeah, like we don't really <laughs> know what to like read from this guy. But I do love like the specific use of that line, the way that he refers to like running a family is is harder than being a bounty hunter, Boba mm-hmm. Fett, right? Um, like there's a lot of moving pieces here, right? And Boba Fett doesn't seemingly have like an incredibly strong network underneath him yet, right? Like we're seeing him with this kind of small handful of people that are gathered around him in like the Gamorreans in Fennec in his uh, real scary looking droid back at home um and yeah what does that mean for him uh, to like transition into this role i really i enjoyed Mache's. i like the presentation a lot i'm very curious if we're going to see a lot more of him them over the course of the series yeah hear those drums in the distance the twins are coming and twins yes it's the hut twins i knew you were gonna do that joke i knew you it knew i was gonna make a joke to, about like the Coors light commercials from the 2000s yes i honestly did <laughs> am i that predictable well <laughs> the family thing mike it's, it's family. family exactly thing. it's, yeah, it's in I my blood you, i knew you too well and if you didn't make it i would have done it so yeah exactly it's gonna get made that's that's true twin language though is just being able to read each other's thoughts so yeah lt we get some huts here was this something that you had expected some hut appearances in the book of boba fett more parallels to the witcher (laughs) there's just so many huts going on (laughs) in television now uh i did not think there'd be more huts i had no idea about the cousins and java left a will this is amazing never die and testate people that is the the lesson (laughs) that we learn here uh or i guess it was not jabba but uh what's the bib fortuna left a will Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's really interesting i feel terrible for that poor creature that uh the one hut is using to like to dab his sweat away sweat (laughs) rag the mouse yes oh my god ah that poor creature these people and they're not people these huts are ridiculous they're just kind of the the quintessential like overly entitled rich people uh, carried around on their litter who are just demanding things because they believe that they're their birthright and they've put in absolutely no work to do anything to get them so they just happen to have warrior wookies you know to help them accomplish tasks which was wild. Is that was that a Wookiee or am I wrong oh, about yeah. this? Oh, it was. Uh, and I'll I'll dip into a bit of a lore corner here, and this is cur- courtesy of Draken that this is uh, not just you know a Wookiee, but a named character, I believe. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to absolutely butter. It's butter a really this. tough name, Mike. Uh, better wow. you than me, my friend. Yeah, uh, Draken says I don't think that's just any Wookiee. I think that's Black Kersantan from the mm-hmm. comics. I'm just gonna go with BK. Uh, I'm going to have it my way and just call him BK. I dig uh, it. BK, Bubba apparently has a long history with BK. Seeing him make the jump to live action was very exciting. 
He's evil gladiator Chewbacca, essentially. Mm -hmm. Served as a bounty hunter for Jabba alongside Fett. Has fought Obi-Wan and Chewbacca. He also works for Dr. Aphra, which fuels speculation that she might show up someday. Yeah, listen, a Wookiee is here. That is, again, wild to me. Uh, a Wookiee working for two huts is truly like the the absolute dream Sunday of an original trilogy. <laughs> so, Rich, I'll go to you. I mean, did you, were you aware of this character uh, or... Was it just sort of a, hey, that's a different colored Wookiee. That's fun. There's so much Star Wars out there in the world, right? And I'm a big comics fan. Um, I've definitely, like, seen the imagery of uh, BK before. And and it was, like, immediately recognizable to me. And that was, like, my note of, like, I need to go do some homework and figure out where this guy comes from, what his origin is, what I'm supposed to know about him or want to, like, go and discover. Um, the, the, like, huts coming in made total sense. And I wasn't expecting it at all. It felt very silly not to because they have, like – such a connection through Jabba in Tatooine, obviously. Um, I've like spent a lot of my Star Wars time in the video games I talked about a little bit mm -hmm. early on, and like Star Wars The Old Republic is like the great Star Wars MMO, where you, there's a whole bunch of stuff with the huts and, and Hutta, the planet, and like they really, to LT's point, are the absolute like avatar of gluttony and mm -hmm. uh, greed and opulence, right? They're these literal like giant slugs. Putting two of them together on the litter i thought was just like a brilliant choice watching it like sagging those yep. poor people yeah. desperately yeah, like standing there holding no uh, let me just say i'd much rather wipe sweat from a hut's face and have to carry them around like that's my order of preference when it wow. comes to job. I, I wouldn't mind doing the wiping but if you have to be the sweat rag mike right. are you still that, in I, on that? I don't know mm -mm. Man. Uh, uh, i mean i'm to, to quote the flintstones like it's a living you know i'm sure if we cut enough. to the mouse he'd probably say <laughs> something alongside that Fair to enough. quote I... me, Latanya Starks is no one's sweat rag. <laughs> <laughs> I um I relate very much to the Wookiees. I'm a very fuzzy human, and uh, I would not want to be in that position. I do not endorse the sweat rag position. Uh, I was hyped to see BK. I had no idea of like the back connection between him and Boba Fett, um, but it like entirely makes sense. And as soon as Drayson points it out, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. now this is very exciting. That it looks. Big badass Wookiee showed up. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Look, and you have you'd have to imagine that this is because obviously it was very much that you haven't seen the Last of Us. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like this is their heavy, right? Like this is the guy that they're going to send in to try to assassinate Boba Fett. Again, he's a bounty hunter. He's a gladiator. You hired him for this reason. What I do think is interesting is obviously we record these, uh, you know, hours before the episode comes out. So I don't know if this is confirmed. But I did notice when I was perusing Wikipedia, they seemed to surmise that actually the Huts were the ones to hire the assassins, which I personally didn't see. Maybe I missed a, a couple of details or so. If that's the case, that'd be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't get like a read there. I thought we were still playing in a space of mystery. So like, I wonder where that like diagnosis is coming from. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. But either way, this adds a new thing to the equation. I mean, like you said, Latanya, I'm intrigued to see how these huts sort of dealt with the whole Bib Fortuna thing. Is it just a matter of they were on that planet for they were off planet for so long that they just had no idea there was a guy in between Boba Fett and Jabba the Hut? It just took them that long. I mean, they're slugs, right? They're slow moving creatures. Maybe it took them a long time, but I do find it interesting that now is when they sort of 
claim their propriety here, mm-hmm. right? That they say this is this is our family's land, essentially. Uh, considering that maybe Bib Fortuna was considered family since he was in Jabba's palace and everything, but I, it's an interesting claim to make. A couple different options. The first is that Bib Fortuna could have been considered inside baseball in terms of mm. okay, we'll let this this person rule. Uh, because at least this is the devil we know, and he has a grasp of all of the different balls in the air, like you talked about earlier. Or, and so they just let it happen. Um, or <clears throat> they didn't feel like they felt threatened by Bib Fortuna, and now they no longer feel threatened because they don't think that uh, the you know uh, Boba Fett has the people behind him like the backing Mm. to be able to stand up as leader for um for any significant amount of time and so now they've decided to come in and attack when the position is weak and they could take it over yeah rich you have any thoughts because this is where we also sort of leave the present day storyline right boba's gonna head back to the back to tank if you will any thoughts about where this particular story is going to go and whether these huts are going to become a presence and a threat sooner rather than later I'm very excited uh, to see how this all kind of plays out. As far as like the Bib Fortuna of it all, I, in my head canon, uh, he's such a lackey, right? It feels like probably he was kicking up to the right people. He was like putting money in the right hands. Mm-hmm. As long as the huts are getting paid, do they really care if they have a slug in the room, you know? Right. Uh, and and so I think that this like power dynamic shift makes sense for them to like step in and be like, we need to deal with this like upjumped bounty hunter who thinks he can just like come in and kill our people right um and as far as where it's going like i mean it seems straightforward that we're leading to a pretty like wild conflict i'm curious how all the the like cards are going to fall and how the pieces will be revealed here um between the assassins uh the mayor um all of it right uh uh, bk like just there's there's a few moving parts that i'm very excited to see collide with one another with a little bit of kinetic energy in the upcoming episodes um yeah so that being said, I was totally with Latanya, where when we went to the pack to take, I was like, no, no, stay. stay on Tatooine. <laughs> you know, it's almost like being in that dream, right? We're like, no, I don't want to wake up. No, I like this. Uh, yeah. Like you just set up, Rich, like really interesting. It feels like major players are consistently entering the fray. And I do think we are heading towards like the battle of the five armies equivalent mm-hmm. uh, on Tatooine, where just everyone's kicking butt there in the town square. Right. Uh, and while I was... You know, I felt unfortunate to have to leave that. And while I do wonder, again, in retrospect, if it would be something where if we had, like, an entire Tuscan Raider episode, uh, if that would benefit the structure more, what we got, I I really enjoyed, too, in the past. So, Latanya, you were someone that talked about, like, the the changing direction of Boba Fett in that regard as a mm-hmm. leader. Yeah, what does that distill down to you? Like, what did Boba learn, I think, in this week's lesson from the Tuscan Raider College? Well, be humble is a big lesson when being a leader. And I think there's a lot about this experience that's very humbling to Boba Fett. The fact that, you know, these Tusken Raiders have taken him in in the first place and have started to train him. He started to gain their trust enough for them to train him in, you know, their way of fighting. Also, uh, you know, he just seems to have formed bonds within this community. He's learning the language or has learned the language at this point, uh, which is something 
I don't think that he knew before at all. And it's very heartening to see that kind of, you know, person being taken in that's kind of starts off as an antagonist to these people. And then he earns their trust and then they start to school him in their ways. And it leads to him wanting to be benevolent toward these people. And he sees what happens when this train attack goes down, which is very violent and ends up killing several of the Tuscan Raiders. And he sees how these people are in mourning for the folks that they've lost and wants to do something about it. It's kind of an innate sense of justice uh, within him as well that I think uh, shines through in his leadership style. Um, And that's something that he probably honed here just by, you know, saying there are scores to be settled. This is these people's ancestral plane, essentially their land, and they are getting killed for literally no reason. They mm-hmm. didn't attack this train. They didn't do anything except be there at the time the train was passing. And all of a sudden they were attacked. So I, I just think that he's seeing, starting to see the world in a much different way. And, you know, later in the episode, we really see him see the world in a, in a completely different drug-induced or, you know, lizard-induced <laughs> way. I guess. Um, And so, yeah, I just really like the whole, like all of the lessons that he's learning here um, about, you know, the importance of a community, the importance of resources within that community, the importance of people in a hierarchy and all of that. Yeah, I love it. A real Dances with Banthas situation. (laughs) How much time do we think has passed between episodes? Because I do think it's interesting, Mm. right, that like the first flashback is... Uh, this runner that we get throughout of almost like the duel of the Gaddafi sticks before Boba Mm -hmm. ends up making his own, learning to eventually make one. And we know that episode one flashbacks ended with this sort of, you know, uh, sort of shaky, loose, I don't know, acquaintanceship between him and Mm -hmm. the the leader of the the Tuscan Raiders. I don't know, Rich, do you get a sense of a time jump happening here? Or is it more so like, all right, well, maybe it was a a couple days later or a little bit of time and he just trusts easy. I think we're tracking in days and weeks, right? Like I very uh, notoriously last week was beating up on the Tusked Raider because I felt like he was kind of stealing the glory of that moment. It's really hard to like interpret the language without subtitles, right? Um, and, and I think that's more on me that I think it was much more of like a benevolent moment. Clearly, like the leader looks looks at Boba Fett and like the mercy he showed on this kid, the fact that he doesn't run away. He brings the kid back alive and intact with this like trophy of the monster's head. Um, he seems to have won them over and for the time jump of it all like I've been asking those questions in my head but I think it's just days later right Boba Fett's like a really capable guy it seems like the natural evolution of all that mm-hmm. um, and yeah you, you say it Mike the dances with Panthers <clears throat> of it all but like I love these type of stories I love an avatar dances with wolves I think it's such a great way um, to get into and explore like a culture that maybe you're unfamiliar with to have a point of view character that is more accessible or relatable 
relatable to your major audience here. And there was just so much about um, his kind of indoctrination into the tribe and what all of that meant. Uh, the moment with like the trains coming by, kind of just like executing these, these poor Tuscan raiders, like willy nilly. It was very, it like brought me back to scenes that I've seen in depictions of like the trains heading west and like pioneer times and the kind of mass execution mm. of the buffalo mm. that would happen off the side of the trains, right? Right. You would have these people like heading out west, just like kind of shooting bison left and right for the pure sport of it. And that's very immediately was like my response when we first kind of see them coming through. And the other big thing that I kept coming back to as I was thinking about his relationship to the Tuscan Raiders is like Boba Fett ostensibly is one of many right he is one of the clones of Jango Fett and the rest of the clones were like in the thousands in the tens of thousands hundreds of thousands maybe as they filled out this clone army right and so in one sense like you go back and you watch the Clone War animated series you watch the Bad Batch we've seen other versions of this character time and time again and and it is almost like Boba Fett's family in a way but he is singular and very much like apart from that right mm -hmm. he stands like alone and he's isolated in his experience unlike all the rest of these people that he has connected to him and i i mean maybe it's like a very big reach but as i'm looking at like the tuscan raiders and their place in tatooine like the way he's talking about them of like you inherited this place like you've been in hiding you're warriors you should be able to like come out and stand in front of the rest of the people of this world with pride and like own your place here with pride and demand taxes for these trains that are going to like use your space i just found a lot of like connective tissue there of like these tuscan raiders that like stand alone in the midst of like this very crowded world with these metropolitan centers filled with all types of different people People, but like the Tuscan Raiders aren't there. They're not welcome there. Like their journey is kind of their own. And, and I just, yeah, that was like hooking in with me a lot as I was examining kind of his perception of them as a people and how he saw himself like fitting into that. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I know Josh had said that, you know, he personally felt the strongest thing across this and the Mandalorian is almost the personification of the Tuscan Raiders. Again, they are no longer these just, you know, aggro people shaking their fists, wearing weird mm -hmm. masks who live in the desert. Uh, I think there is a lot of comparisons to, uh, again, going back to the dances with Banthas of it all, like the, the plight of Native Americans and mm -hmm. other yep. indigenous peoples. Uh, mm -hmm. People who, you know, uh, reside on a land and then are un like kicked off of it, yet are mm -hmm. also turned to for sort of like their own mysticism as well and being connected to the land, which also makes them perceived as villains at the same time. It's such a tricky line to walk. And I'm so happy that the book of Boba Fett is, is drawing in more nuance with this, not only with the communities that they develop and they talk about the many tribes that exist as well, that, you know, not every clan of Tuscan Raiders is the same and they might behave in different ways. And also not necessarily the, trope we've seen before about how Boba is constantly taking from the Tuscan Raiders, but Boba gives a bit back here, mm -hmm. right? Oh, like, yeah. they say, we can't do anything. They have machines. They have, you know, all these, they have metal. We have wood. We have sand. We have cloth. And Boba says, let me get you some metal. He goes to this, like, uh, he goes to this cantina, steals a bunch of speeder bikes. Uh, I mm -hmm. should also mention, I was looking at this also in Wikipedia. Apparently, 
those two poor beleaguered human patrons who are just like, I just want to have a nice night out. I feel like we never go out. Apparently, these are friends of Luke Skywalker who only show up in deleted scenes of A New Hope. Uh, this is them making their first like in canon appearance. Whoa. I don't know how good they are shooting Womp Rats, but yeah, they're like they have names and everything. That's amazing. I saw they were named characters, and I didn't do the deep dive on like who they were, but I was very curious. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Cami Marstrap and Lays Lonosner. Uh, again, George Lucas. Yeah, <laughs> of course, that's their names. <laughs> but I, but I, but I love it. I love this idea again of how it's a two-way street in a manner of speaking. I think that also helps burgeon the respect for Boba as well and leads to him going on this bit of a walkabout that we'll talk about later on. That yeah. essentially he says, listen, you feel like the world has left you behind. Let me give you a literal way to catch up to the world. And it leads to this really fun, you know, fight on the train. But I think it's a really small moment. And to your point, LT, it's this idea of, you know, working with others and also making things a bit more transactional, which is weird because obviously this was a guy that, before worked in literal transactions of pay me to kill people Mm -hmm. or bring people in but this is more of i don't know like a metaphoric transaction of you have given me my life you have given me this this sense of survival let me teach you not only how to survive but to thrive right and i wanted to say something about the parallel with you know there's a clear parallel here here with settlers to the united states and then Native American uh, tribes, but there's also a very clear parallel to global colonialism Mm -hmm. and the search for oil and resources in deserts in the Middle East, for example, and other places in uh, uh, like the African continent, uh, where those tribes of people were just considered, you know, be their warrior tribes or not, were just considered to be you know, desert people who didn't know any better and didn't have technology, but they do have this oil and we have manifest destiny. And so we get to come here and take it. And so in this case, it's more of a, we need this route to run our spice. So we will get rid of these people because they could pose a threat to us running our spice, even though they have literally done nothing. They did nothing to warrant being attacked. So uh, to me, it brought up a lot of parallels of just general colonialism um, and what we've perpetuated throughout the world and how we've engaged in that type of, you know, whether it be for transportation, whether it be for oil and resources, we've engaged in that type of practice, not just in America, but throughout the globe. Um, mm. So to see the, to get a chance to see in the world of Star Wars, even if only for a brief second, the toll that that actually takes on the people and what they're willing to do, even if you extend the smallest of olive branches because they've been treated so poorly for so long, they take you in and they they let you be a part of something. And of course, I think because of this innate sense of justice, Boba Fett decides that he needs to give back to these people. I thought bringing back all of these speeders and giving them the sense of technology was interesting because that does in a lot of ways parallel kind of the typical like white savior trope but it in this case has been turned on its head because it's not being given by like a rich white person it's being given by like a prisoner um from another planet that is you know we know Tamuda Morrison is not white he's Maury so like I just think it's really interesting how they turn that trope on its head a little bit and they show that there's more of an equality that exists between 
um, Boba Fett and the Tusken Raiders and the way that they their um, bond kind of emerges from that uh, sense of like innate equality. So let's talk about a montage for a second <laughs> and the montage of the, the teaching into the great train robbery. We're going to need a montage. Exactly. Even well, Rocky a had a montage. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Rich, you talked about the Western comparisons before. I mean, this is straight out of some of those classic Westerns, right? The the brigands go into to sack the train, though in this case, again, we are sort of on the sides of the sackers. In this case, what do you think about the action sequence in general? The the way that it was done and the actual stopping of the train, complete with the conductor spider crawling his way out of the the train. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the conductor. The train robbery was just excellent, right? But especially one of my favorite Star Wars isms that just like carries across all the properties is when you somebody rolls up on the droids and the droids put their hands up. I, it's just like endlessly funny to me over and over <laughs> again. And so the like conductor, like doing all the stuff, he's jacking up the engines to nuke these guys. He's slapping levers. He's pushing buttons. And then they roll in and he just throws his hands up and jumps out the window. Just- it's out. so perfect you know it's, it's <laughs> just like wonderful. there's danger here i'm gone yeah, it's wonderful it really, it's a it very was. good sense of survival kind of it, it's just like <laughs> great it like is such a great way to like humanize these robots right lt it's very mm-hmm. very funny um i love the whole sequence right uh the like western train robbery of it all is very yeah. cool the whole like training montage of like the bikes and the jumping from one bike to the other bike and like oh forward stop and they, immediately they, like, going back. backwards when yeah. the first tuscan raider gets on the bike is the funniest thing i don't know why of course that's what they were going to write but it was so funny to me it's so like right there in front of you but it is hilarious lt you can't help but like be overcome with like the joy of it it's great that they're able to nestle the humor into like what is this very violent like a remotely like serious kind of depiction of star wars having temoeta morrison do like the miming i don't know if he's like he's a he's a, he's subtly good at comedy obviously he has like a fantastic presence to him but mm-hmm. i just like those moments where he's like forward this way back this way like he's essentially trying to train a dog uh and just his his reactions and like also like you said frustration slash resignation when of course they go in the complete opposite direction the first time cut Uh to you know them near flawlessly being able to stop that train it's just so cool, man. I really, um, I loved the whole like assault on the train. It's so kinetic. The way that like the Raiders are kind of working together, holding position, they drop down in, the bodies like kind of vanishing. And um, the whole like costume design of like the gunners here on the train was incredible. Uh, I love like the masks and all of like the kind of regalia and the gear that they have around them. Again, it's this thing where like much like the Tuscan Raiders, they're clearly uniform. They, it's easy to like delineate that they're all like part of this group but they're very kind of individualized in their own ways right each of them has their own kind of uh little like baubles and decorations to like distinguish them um the whole like train assault i thought was like really really excellent and again it's just great the the fact that like these are not just like humans on the train right like they very Mm -hmm. easily could have been but they're not they're these like really evocative looking aliens uh very very cool i love the train run yeah then this is me maybe pulling some you know analysis out of my butt but is most espa not a runaway train in and of itself and here boba fett is having to sort of like use his own vices right wedge his own stick in there to try to slow the train to a halt after the conductor has left 
Is that not the situation that he currently finds himself in, in this runaway vehicle, trying to put it on the right path, using the, the devices he has in front of him? Very well put. And he's going to need brute force, is what it seems yeah. like. I love you, Mike. <laughs> Take softly and carry a big stick, and that's, that's what Fett is doing. Uh, so here's another canon shout-out. So uh, these masked individuals who Boba Fett ends up capturing from the spice trade, as it were. First off, Rich, were you so happy that we get some spice references, uh, Mr. Dean fan? I absolutely was. Like, as LT is talking about the kind of analogy with, like, global colonialism, right? Um, Star Wars owes, like, so much of its DNA to uh, Frank Herbert and to Dune. Uh, Lucas, like, drew so much there. The spice is a literal one-for-one. It's different in Star Wars than it is in, like, the kind of Dune stories. But, you know, spice is the stand-in for oil, right? It is Mm -hmm. the MacGuffin resource that, um, like, drives a kind of uh, intergalactic colonialism that Dune is, like, set centrally based around and i think it's really like essential to like so much of kind of the depictions of star wars the whole like intergalactic empire is like it's a one for one right so i love that we actually get like a touchdown of like oh what does spice look like uh, oh it looks just like this you know it's very <laughs> very very cool and it really is um entirely appropriate like given the metaphors we're dealing with and as a total aside i also love the wide shot of the banthas wandering across the desert yeah like, what a beautiful added touch Right. It's just like so good. It just adds to like the depth and the world building. It's uh, the birds like flying out of the eye of the statues and like the Lord of the Rings or whatever. These Mm. little bits of like granular textual detail that like gives the world some depth. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my favorite shots in Star Wars were always those big wide environmental shots. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that is what filmmaking can be is just these vast expansive environments and so i'm happy we continue to not only stay on tatooine for that reason but continue to incorporate them even if we move from the big screen to the small screen Mm -hmm. Uh, but back to these spice haulers so evidently they are part of what is known as the pike syndicate Mm -hmm. Uh, which has actually appeared Mm -hmm. a couple of times before in canon so in the clone wars uh darth maul essentially like drafted them uh when he did his takeover in mandalore uh when that ended up becoming a thing and then they sort of had to like combine the Jedi forces with Bo-Katan to, to take Mandalore back. And then they also showed up in a solo, I believe, because there is a part where they do like a bit on Han Solo being frozen in carbonite. And the Pike Syndicate was a part of that. So mm-hmm. they're around, uh, like you said, like LT sort of made the, the very apt comparisons for, you know, they're in the business of uh, transactional pursuits, no matter who is at cost with that. And so, there's some bad businessmen that get the raw end of the deal here as essentially Boba is able to essentially force them to have to pay a toll uh, should they continue to use the sands of Tatooine for their spice transport. Yeah, you've got to pay the toll troll. Everyone knows that. Uh, it's just a fact of life. Yeah, exactly. So I, what I thought was interesting, though, is, again, Boba stepping in and doing this. Now, part of it might be because he he speaks the language, but that's another thing as well, is that he is speaking on behalf of them, giving them rights that I don't think they believed they had access to. And it's mm-hmm. obviously going to earn his reward later on. But I think it's a cool idea. And Rich very much, again, compares to the way we finished off that modern day storyline, right, with Boba trying to, like, rule with i would not say uh, a soft hand but almost like a firm hand of he has this this direct evidence to say hey look what we could do to you but he's not outright saying you know comply to our demands or we'll kill you um more so well you saw what we can do listen i think it'd be mutually beneficial to everyone 
if we just move forward with this. Otherwise, what might happen next? Yeah, he's trying to show, like, strength, not brutality, right? Like, it would be easy enough to, like, execute half those prisoners and be like, okay, now the rest of you walk. Uh, like, take your melons, get to moving. And and he doesn't, right? There's, like, a measure of restraint there. It is, like, a measured response. And I thought visually it was very evocative. As he's kind of sitting on this, like, container, on this, like, uh, crate underneath him, and, and the Tuscans are all, like, arrayed around him. And it's it's, like, a very powerful mirror to him, like, sitting in the throne right mm. the whole like posture of it he doesn't have his armor yet he doesn't have all of his like regalia yet even that he will be adorned with by the end of this episode but he just kind of throws himself back into this easy comfortable very powerful position uh and when i see like boba fett sitting in these things he just like uh, he's like exuding this strength and this like intimidation coming off of him he's so comfortable in that chair you know um and i love the kind of the the measured response here right of like our mercy is our gift to you like go and walk in a straight line you're gonna live just like they live you'll each take one melon and it will be enough to get you there right um and like you know you our our mercy like they, they like suffer your passage our mercy is our gift to you like i thought it was really powerful and very very cool and it really for me was the piece i needed to like cement his role with the Tuscan Raiders, right? Everything up into this point has like been great and it's been cool, but this is the moment where he very decisively is part of them. As mm-hmm. much as they all like attacked this train together and he like led this entire kind of assault to to shut down um this caravan coming through their territory. Like in this moment he is he is of them, right? And I've really loved it. It landed very well for me. All right, let's get trippy, folks. Let's go to this Tuscan Raider hut, 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 if you will. Turn your back. Uh, well, Tanya, if someone offers you a lizard to crawl up your nose, are you going to take that offer? <laughs> well, I didn't know that's what the lizard was going to do, did I? Uh, whoever suspects that the lizard is going to crawl under your nose and rule your brain? Yeah, I, I certainly did not. So if someone offered me a lizard uh, now, I wouldn't take it uh, because I'd be aware of what it's going to do. But if I was in Boba Fett's uh, shoes, I would take it because I'd be like, oh, great, a, a pet, I guess. He's so cute when he gets the <laughs> yeah. lizard. He's like, oh, a lizard. Like, uh, yeah, I'll, I will I'll, raise I'll let him lizard. guide me. Yeah. I, do think, I do not think Boba Fett is ever going to look at lizards the same way again. I think he has been turned off to amphibians forever after this. I'm worried there's a lizard in my brain right now. I know. It 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 was so fantastic. The adorable little lizard and the itsy bitsy cage and just the whole beat. (laughs) The way like they throw the puff of powder at his nose, right? And and his like reaction to me more since like I think I swallowed the little bugger. Oh god. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I guess I looked the gift horse in the mouth. Like I swallowed your your gift lizard. I'm so sorry. It just happened to crawl into my nose. I don't know how this happened. Do you have the receipt? Could we return it? <laughs> I swallowed your gift lizard. Great. <laughs> Simply great podcasting. <laughs> Always be accepting lizards from raiders. You know, that's what <laughs> I learned here. Yeah. yeah well, seriously. let's get into the vision proper. Now, again, Rich, something right out of fantasy, right? The like trippy but meaningful dream sequence as the desert seems to turn to water and leads to the aforementioned tree, uh, which again, 
we thought was metaphoric, but somehow yeah. Boba Fett ends up walking back with a, a stick in his hand. I don't know where he got that effing stick from. Yeah, but seriously. G- give me your thoughts about, you know, Boba's trip to the Whomping Willow here. Man, I love uh, Vision Quest, right? I, I love this whole notion. We've talked a lot about, like, um, the analogies and the metaphor to, like, the Native American experience that we're seeing in this episode with the Tuscan Raiders. I was, like, very fortunate to be a student ambassador when I was in high school, and I spent a, a few months on, like, the Zuni Indian Reservation, oh, like, wow. oh. uh, talking with them. And this whole notion of, like, the Vision Quest and a lot of, like, indigenous cultures, the different kinds of, like, um, substances and herbs that are used to kind of, like, promote these things – it's a very much like a coming of age kind of moment. Mm. Um, it's powerful and it's evocative, right? And especially in like contemporary media, it's a great way to give us a very like kind of stylized sequence, something like visually uh, like stunning, kind of like a reset in the midst of our storytelling here. It's another great device to be able to go back and explore the depth of like the trauma that this guy is carrying with him throughout like this life. He's got the scars on the the exterior of his body but like this is about processing the scars like internally right um and it's awesome they touch on like these very cool beats the like movement between like the being trapped in the sarlacc the leaving of his father from uh, camino as a child into the tree the crashing of the water the like red eyes um the like danger present all around him right and in a lot of ways it's this very real rebirth right at the end of it um like his being born into the tribe right this is the like final process of them truly like making him one of them um very evocative very powerful and for me personally like it resonates these are the kind of stories i've done a lot of like reading about um and they're great in a lot of different depictions uh i'm here for it i dig it and i love that it was an adorable little lizard that sent him on this journey very very cool yeah yeah, Latanya, what did, what did you think about it? What meaning did you personally discern from both the quest to the tree and the flashbacks therein? It's about grappling with your past and eventually learning to accept it and using it to move forward in life, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and so it just so happens that Boba Fett has a very traumatic past, um, like many of us do, unfortunately. Uh, but... I just, I think it's something that is very powerful um, when you're kind of imbued with the ability to get up and keep moving and to take every new experience in and just kind of, um, kind of be one with the world around you essentially uh, is I think kind of what he's learned or Mm -hmm. is continuing to learn. Um, And I really like how accepting he is of, kind of every experience that he's had when he's been with the Tuscan Raiders, he's just there to learn. He's almost soaking things up like a sponge. And it's, you know, again, humbling, which is something that I think is really important when you're a ruler, you have to put, be able to put yourself in other people's shoes and think of what your actions might be uh, doing to affect their world and vice versa. And so I just really thought this scene was, you know, pretty powerful and it was very exciting. Like this was the part where it like cracked it opened my imagination a little bit. Um, Like I talked about earlier and it was really exciting to see him come back with the stick because 
you know, you know that at some point there's going to be a weapon made out of this. And I, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. to see what it was going to look like and, you know, what he, he wanted to imbue that like staff with. And it was also, like I said, really cool to see the little kids celebrating him come coming back from this vision quest because, you know, he is now officially a part of this tribe. That kid really turned me around right there, Elton. <laughs> <Finally. laughs> just to like piggyback, just to piggyback off what you're saying, though, like so much of when you see these kind of stories depicted of like the kind of psychotropic vision quest or whatever it is, it's this idea of like smashing the ego, right? And that's mm-hmm. been like pretty much exclusively what his entire experience with the Tuscans has been, right? Mm-hmm. Like from right from the beginning of like you just got done in by a blind Han Solo, you ended up in the Sar lacks gut this is like the real uh deconstruction of boba fett right in a lot of ways and this is like the final bit of like the absolute obliteration of his ego and the acceptance of like i am somebody new now i am not the like person i was before i ended up in the belly of that like horrific monster um and it's very evocative uh it really uh, they nailed it for me and the the small touch of like we see these tuscans with their sticks the kids with the little like walking sticks that have not yet been like kind of fully formed and built and like we don't see trees on Tatooine so I love that there is a little bit of like plausible connective tissue here right Mm. of like there is in fact there are these places out here in this barren landscape where where uh we can go and like the lizard will guide you right it's it's its own sort of test of like will you end up at the place with the tree or will you come back empty-handed or will the desert just consume you like it's all very very cool yeah, and what I loved about it as well is this idea of, I mean, you mentioned the Sarlacc pit. There is this big image of him being wrapped up by the limbs of the tree, and it mm-hmm. flashed between that and him, you know, wrapped up within the entrails mm-hmm. of the Sarlacc. Uh, and it's this idea of escaping from your lowest moments. Right? I think it is not coincidental that we see, of course, that image of Attack of the Clones of young Boba clutching his father's helmet, of this idea of the Slave One leaving Kamino. Uh, probably to go off on some sort of like other mission, I'm not entirely sure, but it's probably bringing back all these other moments for Boba of, you know, finding yourself emotionally, or in this case, physically at the bottom, uh, but being able to scrape by and survive no matter what. Like Boba Fett, Fett is a scrapper uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the mm-hmm. day. is He's able to to somehow survive the impossible and make a name for himself, even if it's not done in the cleanest way possible and he leaves himself scarred afterwards and i think the fact that he is able to break through out of that situation once again is a representation of that and i man i loved it i loved the choice to make the gadurfi stick out of the branch right because you think initially it's just oh it's this ceremonial thing where it's given to him by the leader or maybe the leader will die and he ends up picking up but no it's it's very much like it's like when you go to uh disney world right and you make you build your own lightsaber like You pick yeah. the Kyber crystal, you pick, you know, the 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 frame that you want to use. Like you're constructing it because it has that personal touch, which is necessary. 
I mean, you say, but that's such a huge part of the Jedi mythology for the people that are deep down the rabbit hole, right? I'm no Star Wars scholar, right? But I'm a big fan and like I have been for a long time. And that like um, final beat of like the Jedi building his own lightsaber, it's been a thing for such a long time that like that's the final step of like your your kind of uh, acceptance as a, as a Jedi Knight. So to see that mirrored here was just so freaking awesome, right? To like go through that whole very granular, very simple process and like you said it Mike but yeah Boba Fett is a scrapper like that's what I mean when I'm making this connection to him and the Raiders like they're underdogs they're both like such underdogs they don't have uh, the resources the fortune he's not like one of the many clones who's got all the equipment arrayed for him and like endless kind of brothers at his side and like the, the Tuscans are like these disparate people scattered across the desert that have to like raid and scrimp to get everything both of them have to like fight to get every kind of step forward they're going to take in their lives and and it just really really resonated with me i loved it we should also mention though this comes with a bit of a makeover uh we have tuscan eye for the boba fett guy as <laughs> he stripped out his old rags and he gets a new look latanya what, what are we making about like the the new you know all clad in black boba fett love a classic black look uh always bet on black uh, is basically one of my style, um, like it's in my style Bible. So I'm a fan. Um, anything that is black on black, I'm excited about um, in terms of like fabrics. And I just think that it's, it, you know, it's so important for him and so important for his, his confidence um, with being within these people that the, he goes through this whole ceremony where he gets a literal and figural, uh, literal and figurative makeover, um, and it's just it does something for his. It's like soul enriching. I think it just does something great for him. He carries himself differently um, once he's clad in these clothes, and he feels finally, for probably the first time, at one with a family with like a group of people who genuinely care about him and accept him for who he is and for everything that he is and that's something that people don't find very often or very easily and i'm sure boba fett has not had before yeah and what i thought was really cool was the sequence where he gets dressed at least it reminded me of when he got dressed in the first episode after getting out of the back to tank but instead of droids again these are tuscan raiders which shows like again those those parallel processes and how the art of getting dressed and into this sort of uniform means so much to mm-hmm. Boba in that moment. And, and how far he's come between yeah. the two moments. And it just like, uh, they're doing such a good job of like connecting the threads, right? Cause it puts him like right in that costume that we see him in the first time he pops up at the end of the Mandalorian, right? Like that yeah. hood and the garb, like this regalia and the music was so powerful. Uh, I really, really like love that scene as they're standing there kind of adorning him in this. Um, it, it really was just very evocative, very like powerful. Right. And, and the kind of respect that he is just like exuding through the screen for like achieving this moment at all all really resonated for me you know like i'm here for it but um it really really landed it worked very well well let's talk about the ending as well because we've talked about cultural roots and look i might just be talking out of my white ass here but you know this ceremony around the fire which started you know slow but then trickles in with eventually all of these tuscan raiders doing this really choreographed series of parries 
with their sticks. And at least reminded me a bit of Maori, you know, ceremonies, uh, the haka, I think it's called, right? This sort of like form of ritualistic dance. Uh, mm -hmm. And we know that obviously uh, Timoeda Morrison is a Maori descent. So I don't know if this is something he personally contributed, if they pulled on that for this. But like, again, if we're going back to this idea of uh, indigenous people, mm -hmm. this very grounded, quite literal choreography done in unison to show how united they are as a tribe with Boba alongside them at the end. Like, man, big image, big image in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I like keep talking about it um, because I thought it was so great. But at the end of Mandalorian season two, uh, you had Rodriguez talking about the Boba Fett of it all and how he wanted Boba Fett to really be this barbarian and have this powerful presence. And Timuta Morrison uh, like talking about Rodriguez incorporating his ideas and trying to like bring forward a lot of like that Hakka energy in the movements and the way that he was fighting with the stick. Um, so I, I, as I watched it, I very much had that same feeling, Mike. Uh, I too, like, am not well versed in like, uh, in that culture and that understanding, but it seems very connected and I love it. I love the idea that this actor who's been like, you know, this is such a huge part of his life. This role has been like so important to him for decades now is able to like contribute this very important part of his own like personal cultural heritage to the depiction of this character on screen. Uh, it's, it's like a real beautiful full circle thing to me. Um, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this episode overall, it's tough. I, I would have liked to see more stuff on most Espa, but it's because it was so interesting that, you know, I, I, I want to get more of it, but I didn't want it to almost be at the expense of what we got in the past as well, because I really enjoyed that too. And then look, if the biggest complaint I have about an episode is like, give me more of a runtime, I can't be too mad at the show <laughs> overall. Right. Uh, let's go around the horn and give some final thoughts about the episode, if you have any or any other, you know, missing pieces or, or hanging threads that you want to talk about. Rich, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, no, I'm very excited to get back to the huts. I'm very excited to see this showdown. I love myself a Wookiee bike. I love that we have like an angry, antagonistic, ferocious looking Wookiee with body armor and a gigantic um, gun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited to see where this is going to go. And I wonder if we're going to see like an inversion in that balance, right? If we're going to come back and have an episode where we have very kind of light flashbacks and are spending a lot of time in the contemporary time period. Uh, regardless, I'm very excited for next week. Yeah, BK's got a huge gun. Uh, <laughs> Latanya, any other thoughts about episode two? I, too, am excited for the return of BK because I went, What? <laughs> Literally, when that Wookiee appeared on my screen, uh, I am also excited for us to learn more about, you know, how the relationship continued to evolve with the Tusken Raiders and if this train heist has any consequences. Because, you know, these people are supposed to go back and essentially, essentially present uh this deal to their higher-ups and are they going to send more people out there is there going to be an all-out fight that happens in the desert as well as the all-out fight that we're looking for to happen uh with all the different families and factions on Tatooine you know in the present day or at least like in the other uh storyline so I'm generally just excited for this show and excited for next week and again wish that i could see it all right now uh -huh. 
but you know, um, I will, you know, make do with the anticipation of it. Can I pose a question to you guys? I'm curious. Are the Tuscan Raiders going to like show up in the current timeline and help him gain control? I think mm. they need to, yeah, um, because there great. are getting into a little bit of feedback. Like there certainly are comments. I'm looking at, uh, you know, people like Austin Smith, uh, Jim Fells, et cetera, that talk about how, while they're enjoying both the flashback and the present day storylines, they feel a little disjointed and I don't disagree. I think it's eventuality personally. Uh, Cause the other option is that all those Tuscan Raiders do not live to see I the know. present day storyline. So I prefer the alternative. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm worried about, you know, uh, you know, repercussions from the train heist. So Hopefully, uh, it it's just us getting a glimpse into, um, oh, this is an army I have at my disposal that you don't know about. That's the thing, is I think that'd be a really nice reversal of these first couple of episodes, which really just evokes this idea, again, as I talked about before, of you don't know what you're getting into. You know, there, there are enemies that are mounting that you don't even realize, where Boba can now come through and say, well, I have my own army. Uh, at right. this point, you know, I've you think I don't know this planet, but I know this planet better than you do because I just mm-hmm. lived out in the desert for a bunch of weeks with the Tuscan Raiders, I think would be a really fun reversal. So we shall see. A uh, really great question, Rich. I just spoke about feedback. If you have feedback you want to send to us, of course you can. Star Wars at postshowrecaps.com is our direct email. Or if you're a patron at the $10 level, again, you can post in the Discord. As I mentioned previously, we're recording these, you know, pretty quick turnaround after the episodes drop Wednesday morning. So apologies if you watch the episodes later or after this episode records and you're not able to get it in on time. But if you have thoughts, feel free to send them our way. We can certainly bring it up in next week's podcast because everyone likes to, you know, enjoy Star Wars a little bit differently. And we are grateful to everyone who has sent in feedback thus far. Uh, Let's go around one more time because we are all working on so many big things that are going on. Talk about keeping a lot of juggling balls in the air uh we are just a circus over on post show recaps for <laughs> many reasons latanya i'll start with you how can people catch up with what you're doing on social media and what do you have going on in the podcast space this week i am uh a, you can find me on twitter at lk starks and we yesterday uh finished up our coverage of dexter new blood for the week where we covered one of the best episodes of dexter the series like of all time not just the best episode of this season so uh, we're looking forward to the finale next week and what all that holds um and of course you can find me here recapping book of boba fett and yesterday i'm sure this is uh available on youtube for everybody if you check out the um rhap youtube page i played some mafia for the first time ever uh, with a group of just like a cavalcade of stars, really, from the RHAP universe. Uh, and so, yeah, you can find me there or on the patron discord, just generally discussing lots of movies and television shows um, that I'm really into. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Very much encourage you to check out Mafia. Uh, not only was Latanya there, uh, Grace Leader, Brooklyn Zed, many post show recaps podcasters made the jump over to RHAP proper. And yeah, if you are into social strategy games, it was a very fun time last night. Rich, what's going on with you? Speaking of games, 
Uh, so many things. Uh, Josh and I have mostly finished up our Wheel of Time coverage on Post Show Recaps proper. We have one more final uh, recap of the first season of the Wheel of Time. Uh, we just recorded our final book club spoiler podcast about the, the this first season, including spoilers from the book series. I am always streaming tabletop role-playing games, mostly Dungeons and Dragons and all kinds of fun stuff like that over at Twitch TV slash DM Philly. Uh, you could find a bunch of VODs from that stuff on YouTube. YouTube, things like uh, the Dungeons and Dragons musical or our Dungeons and Dragons wand off all of these great post-show recaps, DM Philly crossover events. Uh, they're on my YouTube page, DM Philly there. And you can find me on Twitter at DM Philly, uh, where I will keep you appraised of what I'm doing next. But um, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff in the works, nothing else major right now, but it's very exciting time to be talking about Star Wars. Yeah, yeah uh, totally. And you can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. Of course, Josh Regler and I came back together. Uh, we haven't yet at the time of recording this, but hopefully maybe you might listen to this later in the week. Uh, Lost Season 6 feedback show. It's all over, but of course, we're still talking about Lost. Uh, Angela Bloom and I are recapping The Witcher as well as The X-Files. With The Witcher, we are reaching the halfway point of the season. Very excited to be talking about episode for uh, one of my favorite episodes so far of season two. And then over on the uh, unscripted side of things, The Amazing Race is coming back. Uh, the Amazing Race, actually, fun fact, first season uh, filmed a, an episode in Tunisia uh, where they talked about where they filmed Star Wars, where they filmed on Tatooine. So that was always a very mm. fun thing. And back it comes for a very odd 33rd season where a third of it happened before the pandemic then they shut down and came back during the pandemic so it's going to be a very weird time capsule of life uh that i'm very excited to get to talk about with rob and jessica lease every week maybe mm -hmm. some other stuff coming this week as well but a surprises for your podcast feed who is to say of course in addition to all the stuff the three of us are doing there is even more stuff going on on post show recaps including daily podcasts about cobra kai and yellow jackets as well uh the tv train is humming right now we are just being these poor beleaguered droids trying to <laughs> flip all the levers and press all the buttons to keep it running but of course we are appreciative of the fuel that is the support of all of you of course show your support rate review us and your podcast feed of choice postrecaps.com slash star wars write your feedback in if you have any thoughts about the podcast uh and if you're a patron Feel free to support us for the month and uh, chat us up in the Discord as well. It's always a fun time to get to talk with people from around the globe and maybe beyond. I don't know if any aliens are in the Discord, but if so, welcome. We are happy to have you. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's going to do it this week for our coverage of the Book of Boba Fett. We're going to be back next week, episode three, nearing the halfway point, surprisingly, of this very short season. But I'm very excited to get back together with the two of you to break it all down. Thank you all so much for listening. May the force be with you. A long time to go. A long time to go.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.